0: My name is Bobby Pearson. It is my honor and pleasure uh, to stand here before you today to give the sermon, sermonion if you will. Um, So uh, today's uh, today's lesson is entitled Be Prepared and you can turn right now to the very end of Luke chapter 21. And what we're going to talk about uh, today is a specific challenge that was coming up Within the lives within the lifespan of the people who Jesus was speaking to in luke twenty one what has happened up until this point is we had the the Palm Sunday triumphal entry into Jerusalem. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Jesus has entered Jerusalem. Uh, the people are, are acclaiming him, the leaders are thinking about ways to kill him. He went into the temple, he cleared it, he, he braided a whip out of cords and just drove the money lenders out and was purging. Uh, 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 purging the uh, purging the temple, making it pure again, saying, uh, "My house will be a house of prayer for all nations." Um, and uh, and then for the next from that Sunday until the end of that Thursday, which is where we're going uh, with our with our sermon series in Luke. Um, for for those five or so days, Jesus preached every day in the temple court, and he get, he warned uh, he warned his audience about a very specific challenge that would be coming up. And he told them to be prepared and he prepared them to meet that challenge. We're going to talk about what he said, um, how they uh, how they took that uh, that advice and what we can learn from it today. So we're going to talk about challenges. When were you the most prepared for a challenge that came your way? Think about that for a minute. You know, maybe it maybe it'll be a small thing or maybe a big thing. Sometimes we're sometimes we're totally ready and sometimes we just get, you know, smacked blindsided by them, right? What does it mean to be prepared? It means to be trained, right? You you're, you've anticipated the challenge. You've rehearsed what is necessary to face that challenge. Hopefully when we have challenges at work, they, they're not so new and out of the blue that we don't know what to do, right? We can bring our professional experience to bear on it. Yes, I've trained for this, right? When we're, uh, when we have a, when we're in school and we get uh, the challenge of an exam, hopefully we've prepared. Hopefully we've, we've trained. We've reviewed our notes. We've done the, uh, the sample exercises, right? Uh, to, to be prepared means to be equipped, right? To have everything you need. Material, uh, the, the, the material you need, the support network you need. To be prepared is to be focused. to, uh, to, to in, in your mind, only that challenge, and your response to that challenge matters. You can ignore all distractions. And when you're in that zone, when you are prepared, it's a great thing. I want to share one thing about one time when I actually was prepared for a challenge. I might have shared this before, I don't know. Um, but uh, senior year, high school, Knowledge Bowl. We'd been, doing, um, we'd been doing intra-school competition. Um, my, my, my team was, was stacked. We were, we were nailing every question. We, we went undefeated within the school, and then we took all the best, you know, the, the five best uh, knowledge bowlers within the school, and we traveled, I think, to Honduras. We, we lived in Guatemala at the time, so it was like this Central American, American school tournament. We were locked in, and we were, we were confident. The questions we got, just happened to be about things that we had we had read about. We trained for. Um, we went undefeated. The um, there was one question like we were beating this other team like we doubled them up. We had doubled the points. And then a question came up about Guatemalan volcanoes, and we were the team from Guatemala. And the other team just threw up their hands and said, are you kidding me? They get a question about Guatemalan volcanoes, and they just kind of gave up. And I felt bad for them because that did seem kind of cheap. But we were locked in. We were totally prepared. This one team tried to beat us by saying, hey, you can take the bus to the mall. We'll be sure the bus is there to pick you up so you can come back. They were the next team we were having to face. The bus never showed up. So we had to, like, jog a mile up the, up the hill to make it. And we were, like, dead sweaty and just exhausted. And we put our heads down and grabbed our buzzers and walloped the other team. And it was, like, the most satisfying thing ever. We were prepared. Now, when were you least prepared for a challenge? Personally, there are too many to mention. That was really my... I, 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 to be honest, I peaked. <laughs> Senior year high school knowledge bowl. That was, like, as far as, you know... As far as that preparedness and overcoming, that was like, boom. That was perfect. Could not get better than that. Amen. Um, but uh, I've had many challenges in my life that I wasn't prepared for. Um, uh, I, was, I was asked to, to lead a ministry out of college, and I didn't have the life experience at the time to, to help out, to really engage with, uh, with, with what I needed to do. Um, I, can, I can list maybe most of my college exams, I can certainly say my second job, I was hired uh, to build websites and to administer a set of like 50 websites. Landon knows what I'm talking about. And uh, I'd never done any of this before. But the guy who hired me said, don't worry, I'll train you. And then three days later, he said, dude, I'm overwhelmed with this job. I'm quitting. (laughs) So (laughs) I was not prepared in any way, shape or form. And I had to learn under pressure. Uh, That's okay, too. All right. So, what causes that lack of preparation? We talked about what it is to be prepared, right? Let's talk about how how we can sometimes be blindsided and caught un- unprepared. Sometimes we're ignorant of the material. Sometimes we don't know the context of the challenge that we're in. We can be unfocused, distracted by other lesser concerns. Personally, I can be overwhelmed by the stakes. You know, when I was when I when I started uh, leading a, a a ministry, realized. I can't, I can't handle the idea that, you know, people's souls are on the line, it's just too big, uh, and I probably took on more on myself than was warranted. Uh, but fear of failure, insecurity, maybe not taking it seriously, kind of the opposite. Like, eh, whatever, it'll work itself out. That was kind of the college default for me. It'll be fine, I'm a smart guy. nope, not in college. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you don't define your success and your failure standards properly, right? Maybe, um, you know, maybe for you, overcoming a challenge means X, like unless I hit that mark, that X mark, then I've failed. And maybe that's not really what success and failure is. Uh, Maybe we're not defining success properly. Um, But we need help with the challenges that we all face and we need to be uh, and we need to better prepare ourselves for the challenges to come, both the challenges we're in now and realize there are challenges to come well. All right, we're in Luke 21, and we're going to talk about the specific challenge that Jesus warned his audience about. In Luke 21, we're going to start in verse 20, not our main text, but this is context. Jerusalem is facing judgment and will be destroyed within a generation. When Jesus approaches the city, he sees it and he weeps because he knows it's coming, right? In uh, verse 20, he says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies... Then know that its desolation has come near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Those who are inside the city must depart. Those who are out in the country must not enter it, because these are days of vengeance to fulfill all that is written. Jesus knew that his people, his followers, would be in the city when these things started to happen. And he cares so deeply and so passionately that they be prepared Remember how he wept as he approached the city. He saw these, these big stones, these, this great temple, not a stone will be left on top, one on top of the other, as Andre preached a couple weeks ago. Until that time, until that time of trial, Jesus knows that his followers will have to navigate a very tricky political, social, and religious environment without him being physically there to lead them, to guide them, to, 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 uh, to comfort them. They'll have to do the work of spreading the gospel to the Gentile world between now, when Jesus is speaking, A.D. 30, and the destruction of Jerusalem, and then after that, too. Um, They'll have to endure persecution. They'll have to maintain their unity. They'll have to resist temptation. Um, And they'll have to preserve teaching and write doctrine, trust the Spirit's guidance, and the list goes on and on. Like, they have many challenges before them, leading up to this moment of crisis that he's speaking specifically about. And thank goodness that Jesus didn't lay it all out for them in one very discouraging chapter of Luke, right? He didn't tell them, here are all of the problems you're going to have in the next 40 years. And then once you get through that, the next generation is going to have the following problems to overcome, too. He doesn't do that, right? He, 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 gives, he gives guidance. He gives generals. Uh, he, he gives general instruction and I think the same is true for us, too. God, when, when we're baptized, God doesn't somehow magically tell us, these are all of the problems you will have as a disciple. Like, he doesn't overwhelm us with that. He doesn't tell us, these are all of the sins that you must repent of right now. He reveals them to us as, as we need them. As, as, we, as we're ready to face these challenges, he reveals them to us, right? And he gives us what we need. He gives us what we need to be prepared. Um, but Jesus speaks to his audience in the temple about their specific situation. He gives them both specific instructions for that moment of crisis that's going to happen. And he also gives them general principles to be watchful. Those The people who heard and the people who remembered his words, they were actually saved almost exactly 40 years later to the day when the crisis came. This was really cool to, uh, to, to research. I encourage you to do it too. Jesus traditionally the the, um, the The crucifixion traditionally is is said at a d thirty it might be a few years before that we don 't know, but there was a Jewish rebellion against Rome about forty years later the zealots you 've heard of Simon the zealot they had finally pushed their society they'd radicalized it into open war against Rome. The church historian Eusebius he records that the Christian population of Jerusalem in the year a d seventy they recognized that Titus leading the Roman legions over the hill there, they recognized, oh, that's what Jesus was talking about. They were given an oracle at the time, actually, to remind them of Jesus's words. Hey, remember, Jesus said, when Jerusalem is surrounded, know its desolation has come. They were like, that's it. He told us literally what would happen 40 years ago. Time to go, right? The, the siege of Jerusalem started just a few days, Eusebius records, a few days before the Passover, and Jesus is speaking a few days before the Passover. It's pretty amazing. Like there were probably people still in the city at that time, forty years later, who may have been present listening to Jesus in person saying these words in the temple. That kind of thing just blows my mind. You know, maybe as a maybe as a teen, they heard and they remembered. And then as an older person, they they remembered. I I I I love that vision. I love that vision of of our teen ministry and our preteens, hearing something that gets locked in them, 40 years later, it comes out. Now is the time. This is what I was warned about. This is the wisdom I was given. So just pause. Thank you to, to Sharon and, and, and the Jennings and everybody else who does such an amazing job uh, for our... T- yeah, let's go. Yeah. Teens and preteens, children's ministry. You know, you're, you're, you're locking wisdom into them that's going to come out when they need it the most. Back to the text. Okay, um, so the, the Christians of Jerusalem in AD 70 recognized the situation, and they fled. They fled across the Jordan to a town called Pella, and they escaped destruction. Think about what happens in Passover. Many, many Jews came into Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, and they were caught in what was a grueling and horrific siege, and many, many died. The historian Josephus says a million people died. Other people say that's kind of impossible, but many people died horrifically. And Jesus warned his people to escape. And that's, it's, it's sobering and it's, uh, it's frightening. Another early Christian leader and writer, Epiphan- Epiphanius, Epipha- Epiphanius, I don't know, something, you know, you know, one of you knows. Um, Epiphanius wrote that the Christian community had returned from Pella back to Jerusalem Around probably around A.D. 130, just in time for an, another rebellion. Amen. Besides the point, Jesus didn't speak about that one. Um, but the Christian community had come back to Jerusalem after it was rebuilt, and it, and they flourished there under Roman rule. In a way that, um, in a way that they wouldn't have been prepared for otherwise, they were prepared for the greatest challenge of their lives, and they passed with flying colors. So that was Jesus speaking to them and there. He also speaks to us here and now today. Let's read our text now in Luke 21, verse 36. Here we go. Okay, verse 36, Jesus says, But be on your guard, so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness, and the worries of this life, and that day close down upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will overtake all who live on the face of the whole earth. But stay alert at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that must happen and to stand before the Son of Man. So every day Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, but at night he went and stayed on the Mount of Olives. And all the people came to him early in the morning to listen to him in the temple courts. Luke twenty-one thirty-six through 38 now, this seems to be one of those scriptures that has both an immediate, specific application, obviously, he just talked about the coming destruction of the city, but it also has a universal, general application. <clears throat> He's not just telling the twelve to go easy on the wine and stay up to date on current events, although he is doing that. He's talking about a day, that day. It's not, that day is not just the Roman siege of Jerusalem. It's not just that, that very physical, tangible, Manifestation of judgment, it's something, in his words, that will overtake all who live on the face of the whole earth. He's speaking either of a single day of judgment, which hasn't happened yet and still is in the future, or possibly he's speaking about the fact that every single human being will face their own personal day of judgment at the end of our lives. Maybe both. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of out of the speculation game about this sort of thing. But I don't think it's a stretch to say <clears throat> that along the way, every single one of us will face challenges, both major and minor, both individually and as a community, before that final day of judgment. Jesus' charge is direct and clear and speaks to us today. Let's break down the charge. Verse 34, his first word, be careful in the NIV. In the New American Bible, it says, beware. N-A-S-B, be on guard. My favorite, King James, take heed to yourself. The Greek is "proseko." It's used three other times in Luke, always by Jesus. I want to read those to you. Luke 12, verse 1, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. He warns against accepting hypocritical teachings and being hypocritical ourselves. He's not warning them about yeast and bread, as the disciples misunderstood classically. Okay, in in Luke 17, verse 3, he says, Watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he he repents, forgive him. A warning against unaddressed and unresolved sin within the community. In uh, Luke 20, verse 46, he says, Beware of the experts in the law. They like walking around in long robes and they love elaborate greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. He's warning against not just being abused by such people, but he's also warning the apostles not to become just like that when they have their own positions of leadership. Warning against that that sort of pride. And now in verse 34, be on your guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness in the worries of life. It's a warning against spiritual and moral apathy. It's interesting to me that Jesus warns his followers at least as much about what's within themselves and within their community as as about what threats are outside them trying to come in, right? Mark 7.20 says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. It's easy for us to... It's easy for, like, every human group to think... We are good, we are safe, and it's, it's what's outside that's the problem. And Jesus sees right through that. He says, no, your challenges are going to be within. Watch your own heart. Now, amen, there, there are cultural issues, cultures changing. Their, uh, their, their, their surrounding culture of, uh, of Judaism was at first accepting and then more hostile towards them. The Roman Empire would first be a great conduit for spreading the gospel and then there would be pagan influences. And they've got to watch out for that. And Jesus and Paul and all of, the script, all of the biblical writers are very upfront about that. But the emphasis here is on what is within, within us. Guard your own hearts. And the more I read and reread this passage, the more I see myself in it. The temptation to indulge in whatever gives us comfort. The temptation to be apathetic towards our own spiritual condition and the needs of those around us. The temptation to maybe give in to anxiety and, uh, and, and just stress and let that overwhelm us. That's stronger now in 2021 and maybe last year than it has ever been for most people in the world. Maybe a little speculation there, but I think, I think it's true. Jesus says, take heed to yourself. Or in other words, he's, he's kind of referring to Proverbs 4, three. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. For from it flow the wellsprings of life. Proverbs 4.3. Jesus' counsel is to be alert, knowing that there's a spiritual battle all around us and within us. We've all seen friends be taken out of this fight, you know. I don't want my apathy or spiritual dullness to be a factor in someone else walking away. I don't want to be in a position where I could have helped if only I was more alert. And I definitely don't want to be caught flat-footed when my own faith is tested, right? I don't want to be just, you know, in the day-to-day, whatever, whatever. Everything is the same. I wake up. I go downstairs, I log on, I work, I log off, (laughs) I eat, I go to bed, like, day after day after day. I don't want to be dulled by the everyday and and be caught flat-footed by that. Well, how do we do this? How do we we stay alert? How do we obey Jesus' words? Well, I think we know the the basics, right? Regular prayer, Bible study, that's kind of always the answer, and it's always right. Um, it's critical. I was never, I, personally, I was never a pray in the morning kind of guy. Um, like, I, I remember confessing 20, what, 20 years ago, I'm just really slow in the morning. And I remember confessing five years ago, I just can't get it in gear. I just can't have a quiet time in the morning that means anything. Well, finally, our family group read this book, 40 Days of Prayer, And after forcing myself to make prayer the first or amen, sometimes the second thing I do uh, in the morning, it becomes pretty much automatic, right? And uh, some of you are like inherently morning people or super disciplined. Looking at you, Um, some some people some people here just it 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 just comes out of them. Like you know, there's a natural self discipline. I don't have that at least in the mornings, Um, but starting in prayer really disrupts my worldly patterns. And it helps me to acknowledge that there's so much more to life than that daily schedule that kind of runs me, right? I need to be interrupted first thing in the morning to pray, to remember there is a God. And my life is more than just getting up and working and being done with work. And then maybe working a little bit later in the evening because there's so much work, right? Our, Our daily schedule will overwhelm us if we let it. We have to let prayer And scripture interrupt that and to remind us, yeah, there's something so much greater than this. One of the things I've noticed about Jesus, by the way, is that he always models his own commands. Let's read verse 36 again. Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand. This is Jesus's charge. And what is he doing? What do we find him doing? Just one chapter later, in in the end of Luke 22, on the watch. He's on the watch in prayer, in Gethsemane, praying that he may be able to escape all that is about to happen. Like he literally said, you guys pray that you can get out of this situation. It's okay to do that. A chapter later, Father God, if you can take this cup from me, thy will be done. Right? He's asking to somehow get out of the crucifixion, some way, some, some way, shape, or form. And when he gets his answer, and the answer is no, Jesus is able to stand. He's able to get up, stand up, and lead the apostles, stand up under it. So here's the plan of facing challenges as best I understand it. Let's think about, we have challenges, right? So there's going to be a phase in your life that comes before that challenge. Maybe you're in something really difficult right now. In that case, you're in phase two. You're in it. Um, and we'll have more challenges later. So whatever the challenge is, you're before it right now, okay? So let's, let's think about that first phase, before the challenge. Jesus is to stay alert, to cultivate spiritual disciplines, especially prayer, to know your own heart, to know your strengths and weaknesses, to know your desires and your patterns, your triggers to, to temptation, so that when that crisis moment hits you'll be able to respond faithfully. To know the situation around you. Jesus said to watch. I think that's what he means. Like, what is the world like around me? What's my immediate environment like? How are my friends doing? How's my family doing? Where are we all vulnerable? What are the anxieties of life that that trouble me, that that are threatening to weigh me down? And finally, where can we go for strength, you know? Think about it now so that when it hits, you're not like, what do I do? I don't know what to No, I know where I can go to strength. Yeah. I, know where I, I know that special prayer spot. I know that friend I can call. I know the, the great victories that, that God's given me in the past that I can go back to and, and, and remember, right? I know where I can go for strength. Now, taking all of this before the challenge and then share it with, with trusted brothers and sisters and get their honest feedback... It's so much harder uh, to deal with a crisis when you have a pile of unresolved stuff already weighing you down. And we have to be here for each other. You know, we have to deal with these things now. And, and we have to kind of bounce our situations off one another. Like, uh, you know, for example, talking to, talking to friends about, you know, I see a weakness in our marriage. Right? Or there's this thing going on with my child right now and I see that it could become a problem later on can you help me with that is that what you see too do you see something else we don't see ourselves in a mirror very well without help right we don't we're not often able to diagnose our own our own issues that's where we need each other so badly to prepare to be watchful so that we have an accurate understanding of who we are uh, so that when the challenge comes phase two we're ready all right Phase two, it's happening. You're in it. I know some of us are in, are in specific situations right now that, that are harder than maybe anything we've ever had to face. What do we do during that time? We have to lean on the spiritual disciplines we were building already, especially prayer. Pray to be delivered. Pray to take it away. That's okay. That's not cowardice. That's not, um, that's not, that's not cheap. That's not, you know, that's not trying to weasel out of things. Pray to be delivered. Jesus said to do it. Jesus did it himself. But be willing to accept that this might be something you have to endure. Maybe not totally in the way you expected. Maybe not according to your own understanding of it. You might have to endure this. You might. He might not take it away. Or he might, God might change it. I don't know. But be open to whatever his answer is. Get more open with trusted friends rather than less open. For example, um, just to, this, is a, this is a dumb example, a, a flippant example, but it means something to me. A few days ago, two days ago, our family group was playing Newcomb, right? I don't know if you know Newcomb. It's a great camp game. It's like volleyball, except you don't have to hit it. You can catch it and you can throw it. It's, it's a lot easier. And we, and we were playing like the youngest participant was our six-year-old Joanna. And then you had, you had some, some kids in the middle, and then you had uh, the, the, the parents. Andrew was there, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Um, he, was, he was shoring up the, 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 the kid's side at the end. And, and, and I got on the court and this, you know, your, your brain does things got on the court and that those 25-year-old those high school memories kicked in, like, I'm on a volleyball court, victory is the goal, right? <laughs> and and I didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, <not> like it. <laughs> Ryan knows where I'm going. And um, yeah, and all I could think was, we've, my team has to, has to, has to perform, right? I've got to be my best. I've got to. I've got to get people in position. You know, we've got to find the other side's weaknesses. This is. This. These are like you know, ten year olds. <laughs> and you you just get into these. Uh, you know, your your lizard brain takes over, and uh, and just you know, you just you act on instinct, the, the instinct to win, and uh, and and a little bit of ugliness came up in my heart. I hope. I hope, and I apologize to anybody who was there. Um, I hope that my ugliness didn't come out. But he was in there. And I, I talked to Ryan for just like five seconds, right? I told Ryan, dude, bro, I'm, being, I'm, be- I'm feeling competitive. And he said, nothing wrong with being competitive. And I said, okay, it's more than competitive. I'm being a jerk. Okay. <laughs> Something like, I don't know what I said. But <clears throat> it didn't really matter. It just, it just stopped that. You know, it just got it out. It got it out there into the open. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe back in college I didn't have that chill out, uh, uh, practice in, in my head. Uh, I was still, you know, uh, win or die. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, okay. Anyway, that's me. Um, I needed that to stop that, that pattern from kind of taking over and ruining it and, you know, maybe spiking it in, in, you know, in a child's face. We, we stopped and we, we chilled out and we had fun. I hope we had fun. I hope we had fun. Okay. All right. So that's a, that's a, I mean, kind of trivial, but, you know, if, if that kind of thing gets out of control and I do something ugly and I spike it in, in a, the face of a child of, and somebody in our family group, there are repercussions, guys. That This kind of thing spirals out of control in a way that, uh, you know, and then we have to meet later and pray about it. Ah, you know, better to not do it in the first place. Okay, phase three. Get through the challenge and then you're after it. And if you're like me, once you get through a difficult period, if you're like me, you just want to completely forget about it, right? Thank goodness that's over. Out of sight, out of mind. We're done. I don't think that's what Jesus wants us to do. I think, uh, I think that the, the godly way of getting through a challenge is when it's over to praise God, to share the victory, and let other people celebrate with you. Um, so many scriptures either say this or refer to it, you know, when one part of the body rejoices, every part rejoices with it. When one part of the body suffers, every part suffers with it. And I think that maybe we, maybe we understand that we can share our sufferings and that we can get help. Maybe we don't always see that we can share our joys and our victories too. You know, don't keep that stuff to yourself. If God is working in your life, share it. Man, I, I, I appreciate the Bendles, you know, letting us in on... It's great to be married. Of all the young marrieds in our group, they are the youngest marriedists. Um, so that's awesome. You know, we, we don't even know you guys but uh, very well. Um, but it's, maybe some of us know, you know, Phil and Beth know you guys well, and we look forward to knowing you better. Um, but we're, we're excited to, that you're sharing that part of your life with us. Um, we're we're excited that uh, that James and Sarah are are, are moving in here to, to lead uh, uh, to lead the campus ministry here. I want to hear about victories from campus ministry. That's like you know, uh, as as far as the larger church is concerned, we need to hear that. You know, we need to hear about the Bible studies and the ups and the, and even the downs. Um, we need to be reminded of all these things, and uh, that's 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 really the 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 engine of uh, of, of of encouragement uh, for the church. Share your victories. Let others celebrate with you. And then, when you've done that, go back to step one. Because there's going to be another challenge. I won't sugarcoat it with you. Um, anybody uh, who says otherwise is selling something. There will always be challenges. We've got to go back to step one. We've got we to dig in and do those spiritual disciplines again. Take what you learned from, from the victories and the defeats. Incorporate that back into your, into your prayer life, into your, into your, uh, in, in, into your spiritual disciplines and level up the crucifixion i'll say this caught Jesus' disciples completely off guard as jesus entered the temple we were talking about this at our uh, midweek um our family groups midweek the uh this past wednesday it, it struck me that the disciples even though jesus had told them again and again the son of man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners they were like okay i think everybody's i think everything's going to be fine jesus is going to win Right? They, were, they just weren't really engaged with the, with the danger they were in. As Jesus entered the temple in Luke 19, verse 47, his old enemies, those chief priests and teachers of the law, were plotting a way to kill him. Right? There, was, there was danger all around him. By the end of chapter 21, the Bible says all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. So the disciples, the, peop- the, the, the twelve and his group, they must have all had the sense that, wow, Yes, here and now is where things are finally going to take off. His Jesus's enemies can't do a thing; he, they can't touch him. Everybody in Jerusalem is coming out to hear him. This is where it's gonna. This is where it's gonna go. You know, we're gonna maybe we're gonna have some leadership positions in this new kingdom. Jesus is gonna wipe away the Romans and whatever, whatever. You know, those were their ideas. Um, everything that Jesus was saying about the coming judgment and his own death and the disciples abandoning him. Those words must have been just so totally contradictory to how they were feeling and, and what they were assuming would happen, right? They were, they were, they were gobsmacked by, by the betrayal and the crucifixion. They were totally unprepared in the moment, but God gives us more grace. He gave them grace, even when we're dull, even when we're not getting it, maybe especially when we're dull and not getting it, what does Jesus tell us to pray for? Pray that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. The end of our passage here. Does Jesus tell us to justify ourselves and to white-knuckle through every obstacle and overcome by the strength of our own willpower? No. He doesn't say that. Any strength that we have is from God and is a result of us praying for it, asking for it. These spiritual disciplines, praying uh, Bible study, confession, being with one another, worship, communion, these spiritual disciplines fortify us and they prepare us, but the strength is from God. Any justification that we have is by grace, and the Son of Man is our judge, and ultimate victory isn 't really to get that promotion or pass that test in school or or even overcome illness or to baptize people or to you know to get get you know, to, to date and get married that 's not ultimate victory ultimate victory is to stand before the son of man faithful and forgiven and that's that's something that that's hard for us to hear we want to hear that god will is promising literally to do everything we want we want to hear that he's promising to fix our problems as we want them to be fixed and amen Jesus wanted his people to get through this specific challenge, to escape the destruction of Jerusalem. And he made it happen. And they were ready. And Jesus will deliver you through all sorts of challenges in your life, as he already has and will continue to do so. Um, But ultimate victory isn't getting through each one of these things in our life. Ultimate victory is to stand at the end, again, faithful and forgiven. Until that day, let's be a church of prayer. I love that that, that charge from, from last week. Be a church of prayer, trusting in Jesus and watching. That our hearts be light in the Lord and not, and not burdened by, by anxiety. Uh, that we resist temptation and not give in to the, the dissipation. It's such a great Bible word. You know, dissipation is basically giving yourself over to, in, to, uh, to indulgence and drunkenness. It, it implies drunkenness, but it can be all kinds of things. Let's resist temptation. Let's handle the challenges of life in a way that glorifies God, not with anxiety and fear, but with grace and resolve. Let's prepare for the challenges to come and face them together like Jesus did. Amen. Uh, We're going to take communion now if anyone is not happy. Thanks for listening to the Blue Ridge Podcast. My name is James Lim, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, visit us online at blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 1030 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.